One of the best food scenes in the country, right here in Minnesota. And nobody knows it like magazine food critic and James Beard Award finalist, Jason DeRussia. Now bringing you the most interesting people and hottest trends. Let's listen in as DeRussia Eats. Hey, it's Jason. Welcome to DeRussia Eats. So glad to have you with us today with two of the best chefs in Minnesota. Stephen Brown. Stephen Brown is uh, just an icon at this point. He has mentored so many chefs in the Twin Cities. He was one of the first to open a neighborhood restaurant that became a real destination, Tilia, in the Linden Hills neighborhood of Minneapolis. He then opened St. Genevieve, a restaurant uh, really celebrating French bistro-type food, uh, one of the earlier places in Minneapolis that would have multiple champagnes by the glass. Such an elegant surrounding. His food is always so elegant. And now Stephen is also running a hotel restaurant. I'm fascinated with hotel restaurants. When I travel, you go to New York, you go to Chicago, you go to L.A., some of the best restaurants in those cities are at hotels. It just always has been that way. Part of it is because you have travelers, right? And travelers have more of a budget, can use a corporate credit card, can come into a hotel and spend big bucks. And people who spend big bucks are the people who keep restaurants, especially at the high end, going. In Minneapolis, we've never really had that culture. Hotel restaurants have sort of been the home of the rubber chicken. It's changing. And Stephen Brown and Julia inside the Hotel Emory is one of the people changing that. Plus, Mark Collins. Mark Collins, M-A-R-Q-U-E, fancy. Mark Collins is the chef at Tulabi, which is a beautiful restaurant inside maybe the hottest kind of scene hotel in the Twin Cities. It's in the North Loop. It's called the Hewing. Well, the Four Seasons is right there with it. Hewing was open first. Beautiful restaurant. Beautiful hotel. They've got a bustling bar and a great conversation with a relative newcomer to our food scene, Mark Collins, about the advantage and disadvantages of working inside a hotel. Maybe this episode will inspire you to think about going out to eat, not in your neighborhood, not at a destination restaurant, but maybe you'll make a night of it, book a night in a hotel and eat with Stephen or with Mark, as you enjoy episode 22, Minneapolis Hotel Chefs of DeRussia Eats. Our guest in studio today is Stephen Brown, the owner of Tilia and St. Genevieve. And uh, the what, what's your title at the Hotel Emery's Great Restaurant, Julia? Well, I don't know. I'm, right now I'm going to say uh, consulting chef. Consulting chef. What, you know, you opened Tilia in South Minneapolis in 2011, and yes. what a what a run it's had, You and what a journey it's had to go on during, with all of the iterations of what's happened in the world over the last 10 years. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I think all restaurants uh, really faced a lot of adversity, and like many, thanks to you, the taxpayers, and all the governmental programs, we're still around. Otherwise, we wouldn't be. So we're super fortunate and really happy to be you know, still out there doing it. And in, Tilly and St. Genevieve, for you, what I think is interesting about your kind of growth as a chef and is the fact that you have been involved in so many restaurants over the years, incredible restaurants here in the Twin Cities. And it was as you were, 
I don't know, were you 50 when you opened Tilia? I was 47. I'm know? sorry for aging. Yeah, you, yeah. Right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm an ageist. I like it. <laughs> but you were not like, you were not a 29-year-old or 32-year-old chef opening it up. It was more of a, you had done a lot of different fine dining type things, and now you opened a place for the neighborhood. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I really started thinking about two things. One is I was getting older and, uh, you know, and two is like, what was the kind of food I wanted to eat? What did I want to make and where did I go? What were the places that, that really were attractive to me? And I think the great thing about the restaurant movement over the last 25 plus years yeah. is that it started off being one thing, fine dining, and now it encompasses things. And that's why our motto at Telia was uh, good food tastes good, right? Right. Yeah, and I always loved that you had a focus at, at that restaurant from day one in making sure, you know, and this was relevant to sort of the, the stage in life I was at when you opened up, that it was so welcoming towards kids. Yeah, well, at the time I had a three-year-old daughter and, right. you know, and the same thing. I had like, a two I, and a four-year-old, so know, we right were in the same. We were just talking about it today in a meeting, and it's the same thing. It's like, you know, hey, if, if mom's happy and they buy another glass of wine, we're happy, and if the kids are happy... That's where it's at, right? Right. Yeah, for sure. Because you feel we love and still love going out with our now 15 and 17 year old. But there are people and sometimes there are restaurants that give a vibe off where it's like, you know what? Your kid is not welcome here. Right. And, you know, and that I, sucks. I hate that. <laughs> well, you know, it's especially if you're the kid. It's really bad if you're the kid, right? You know, right. Well, you get you get grown up food today, you know, and then they start right. to cry, and then you know things start going south. So, um, I, we try to be inclusive. You know, our our concept there has been a neighborhood place. It's an all day cafe, and and that's really kind of what we're still interested. in, Even though we're only open at night and on weekends for brunch, yeah. it changed because of COVID. Well, or, I, or was it going that way anyway? You think? That's a really great question. I mean, I think COVID really prompted a lot of changes in the restaurant business, uh, certainly for us. Um, and one of them was, you know, we were open seven days a week and just the staffing issues alone. Staffing re- is. You know, the wages, all these things have really brought us to a different model. And, you know, that model doesn't support uh, neighborhood lunch anymore for us, really, right. to be honest. We, we think about it maybe on a Friday sometimes. Maybe, you know, we could do Mondays were really good for us for whatever reason. Other restaurants were closed. So we kind of think about that. It's interesting because we know, especially in your neighborhood of South Minneapolis, Linden Hills, like people are working from home. Oh, yeah. So I wondered if people would be more willing maybe to go out to lunch. Well, that's a really great question. It's exactly the same thing I thought of is especially during the lockdown. It's like, man, if you could capture some of this business, like if we could be open. But you still have to have people at work, and how do you structure a shift? And- hey, Minnesota is still, I think, first in the union for the lowest unemployment rate in the country, and we're seeing incredible pressure on that regard. It's better than it was, for sure, but it's still a huge issue for us. Does it get to a point where when you look at an item like a, like a burger, that when you look at all of the costs that go into that and the cost of running your restaurant, I mean, are we close to, to having people have to accept like it's going to cost 20, 22 bucks for a burger? Well, from an economic standpoint, I mean, it I sort think, of should, right? I think I, Hey, look, I'm just one little guy in one little place, but I'm here to tell you that, you know, the, that what people pay for food, you know, my joke is my attorney costs $600 an hour. The plumber is $200 an hour. You know, the, and, and yeah. we've seen incredible increases in labor and 
food costs, the two things that we can really control. I signed the lease 11 years ago. I can't, I mean, I could. Right. My landlord was incredibly generous to me. All, all of our landlords were over the pandemic. But now I'm, you know, now I'm paying that money back. Right. right. So it is, it is kind of a question of what people are willing to pay. And I think you're starting to see a lot of different models where people are starting to eliminate, you know, I parked downtown today and I used to be, there was a guy who gave you a ticket and took your money. And as I'm pulling it, it said credit cards only. Yeah. So I, I Just think little things to try. I there. think that that might be something that we'll see is maybe more limited service and things that come because this idea of having you walk in and there's a host, somebody who greets you, somebody who makes your drinks, somebody who does all these things. I think that may be changing for a lot of, you know, a typical experience. Yeah. Stephen Brown is the owner of Tilia St. Genevieve, the consulting chef at Julia, which I think Julia is, uh, and maybe it's because of the time it opened, but I think it's a, I find it to be an underrated restaurant because I think uh, what you guys are doing is terrific over there in an absolute knockout of a room. Yeah, I mean, uh, I love Julia and I love the team that we have, especially right now. We opened, you know, just a little before the pandemic started. Right. You, know, you didn't we, have a ton of time. We were open like 10 or 11 months and right. then the lockdown happened. So, but, you know, what we have and going on. And you're a hotel in downtown Minneapolis with no business travel, no events. Which was completely closed at one point, you yeah. know, and the owners of the property have been wonderful to us, you know, and I think they took what used to be a property that was underperforming, remodeled yeah. it, you know, same interior designers, architects as young Joni, as uh, what's uh, Ann Kim's other place, uh, Mumi, Suki, Suki and Mimi. And Mimi. Yeah. So fantastic. Put it's in a, a spy house coffee yeah, spot the in there. Coffee shop is great. There's so much greenery. It's a soaring, just you know, beautiful we, space. We just like to say it's, it's, it's a sofa for downtown. It's yeah. a place for you to come. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a really great. Space. What's what's different about running a kitchen at a at a hotel versus, you know, one of your other Tellier or St. Genevieve? Well, I mean, for one thing, you know, you have a, a lot of different hats to wear, a lot of different meal services. So, you know, you traditionally in a hotel, you have room service, you have breakfast, you have lunch, you have dinner, you have 150 plus staff people to feed every day. Right. Oh, I never thought I opened that. a place one time, huh. a hotel and you know, the manager was like, what are you going to do about comida? What do you was like? Whatever. You know, and right. then it was like, Oh my gosh, you know how many people are a, here. That's a full time, three times a day. Right. Yeah. That's another job. Uh, plus events, banquets, you know, and, and now what we're really doing is we're activating those spaces and we have, so you can come to spy house and get food. You can come to our bar and get food. You can come to the dining room and get food. It's a place and drink, of course, yeah. right? You know, we're there. But we're activating those spaces by bringing in DJs, bringing in events, doing all these things. So you come and get that experience, which is very different than a sit-down restaurant. Do travelers kind of expect different things as a diner than a local would? I have I think food-wise, no. I mean, I think people are pretty educated now, and, and, and they're not expecting a lot. Um, I think that they really like that they can go to Spy House and get Minneapolis coffee roasted in Minneapolis, yeah. you know, and they like that they can get pizza that's made right here and pasta and all those things, so they enjoy that experience. When when you created, and our guest is Stephen Brown, owner of Tilly and St. Genevieve and the chef at Julia inside the Hotel Emory, which is – I always suggest, like, if you're going to an event at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium or a concert or something. Armory, yeah. That's the spot to go before the show. Uh, Italian 
is the concept, but how would you, how do you think of it? How do you define it? Because people have different ideas. And in this community, I think the Italian area is sort of underserved. We could have a lot more Italian restaurants here. Well, I mean, I, I love Italian food. You know, I used to, uh, the great Lynn Rosetto Casper, you know, the splendid table host now retired Francis Lamb. I mean, these people are, they're iconic, right? Yeah. So when I was young and working at Lucia's, speaking of places, you know, I met Lynn Rosetto Casper, and the first thing I said was I wanted to go to Italy, right? So I went and I spent time in northern Italy, and that is kind of the tie for here mm. at Julia is we want a northern Italian concept. We're here in the north, and so we want that. So all across from, you know, the Alto Adige, uh, the Val d'Aosta on the west, all the way across to, to Venice, you know, that's kind of where we're Northern carving. Italian is more, describe that food. Northern, it's not red sauce. Well, you know, there of, are, course, but, of course we have red sauce, well, you but, uh, you know, we try to, it's the things like polenta, it's yeah. butter, it's telagio, it's uh, sausage, it's apples, right? The number one mm. apple producer in Europe is in northern Italy, right? In the Val d'Aosta, or excuse me, the Alto Adige. In Alta Adige. So cool. Bolzano. So so those kind of things. And wines and those kind of things. You know, it's it's terrific, right? It's yeah. a, easy, a easy food for people to enjoy. Yeah. And then we kind of tie that in, Jason, with this idea, you know, and uh, it, it's something that I think is really cool. Is if you're an Italian, right, you're going to cook the food from your area. That's part of the thing. Uh, so, you know, yeah. we try to find. So we partner with Peterson Meats in Osceola, Wisconsin. You know, we work with local producers and purveyors just like everybody else. Our goal is to be kind of a neighborhood hub. You mentioned events and things, but, you know, hey, you want a weekend getaway? You're coming downtown. You want to have a dinner? Yeah. I mean, we're accessible to everyone. That's what we're really trying to be. We want to be that downtown hub for people to come and enjoy. Well, I, Stephen Brown is our guest. I took my parents there. My parents, my parents think it's really funny that I write about food because as a kid, like, my favorite food was probably like an encore frozen entree, like a Salisbury steak or something that we just didn't eat that way. It wasn't how I grew up, and my parents loved it. So it's very accessible, and I loved it. So too. they loved so the menu, right? They loved the menu. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. There was no frozen Salisbury steak on there. I'm though. talking about the movie. But... The, the, the movie, the menu, oh, my gosh. We watched that as a family, not with my parents, but with my kids. And my kid. that's a great, fun movie to watch, I think. Well, and I think the point of it is, and the point I would make about it is that we have, uh, you know, accessible food that we're trying to feed people, right? And this idea that we make food that becomes so esoteric and so, you know, chef-driven right. that, that lay not, people don't get it, right? But right. that's not our goal there at yeah. all, right? You want to come and get carbonara? You know, we have specialty things too, but yeah. you know, this is... It's, it's uh, for the people. Yeah. yeah. Please come. That's Steve. what we say. Stephen Brown is our guest. We're going to take a break. I want to hear what Stephen's uh, three favorite restaurants to visit that are not his own in the Twin Cities. And if you have a question, always, those are welcome at uh, 651-461-9226. Back in a minute with Derusha Eats, brought to you by Liquor Boy here on CCO. Chef Stephen Brown is our guest. When I was telling Chad Hartman that you were going to be on the show, Chad said that your restaurants, if he had to pick his number one restaurant to go to, it would be Tilia. Oh, hey. That's nice, right? Thanks, Chad. It's nice. I think a lot of people, I mean, you were there when this this sort of explosion in really high-quality neighborhood restaurants happened. 
Do you think overall the fact that we have great restaurants in many neighborhoods as opposed to, like, the restaurant district, is that better or worse when it comes to kind of the the culinary achievement or level in this town? Well, I think, first of all, you have to back up a little bit and understand what the intention of the city was uh, back in the 70s and 80s and when they created what they call these entertainment zones. And they intentionally put those things there. And there were some reasons, compelling reasons to do so. Um, and over time, people started saying, hey, I don't want to get in my car and drive yeah. to yeah. point X. I want to walk in my neighborhood. I want to do these things. And I got to give a big shout out to uh, my good friend, Molly Broder, because Broder's Pasta Cucina, oh, yeah. I mean, they were, yeah. they were the progenitors, pro, progenitors of that. <laughs> yeah, that, their corner is w- w- incredible. Yeah. I mean, I was just at Terzo a week ago and, you know, Charlie and I did an event with Ferrari for the Italian Film Festival and it was it was super fun. Yeah, right? that's a good event and to it do, was, right? It wasn't bad, right? Yeah. If you got an extra $488,000, you can buy a car while you're Is there. that chef money? Is that the kind of dough you're uh, hauling in? Not, uh, talk to DDP, baby, not me. <laughs> Danny Del Prado might be making that money for sure. So many restaurants he's opening. Are you glad that you're... I mean, you're doing three, right? Do you three, have more? And then I have a catering company called Silver Service that, uh, you know, I worked for a woman for many years named Kat Loy. And uh, it, she didn't really, her model was that she just hired other chefs. So she hired Vincent, she hired me, she hired Stuart Woodman, maybe some names you remember from the past. And, uh, and then we would go to somebody's house and cook an executive dinner for eight or 10 or 12 people. And that's pretty much what we do now. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was also what I was doing with Ferrari. It was like, those kind of things, you know. So I, you know, I call it the backstep burrito, and it's like I'm trying to make enough money right. to put my kid through college, <laughs> right? That's where I'm at with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's super fun and really great, and I love the interaction because I get to go into people's homes and uh, interact with them in a way that's super intimate, very different than being in a restaurant. You are known as a great teacher of younger cooks and chefs. Do you enjoy that part of the job? I do. I mean, I think I set that intention a long time ago, you know, and that. Uh, I I thought that if I was fortunate enough to be successful in this business that I would want to help other people be that because people who came before me, like I mentioned Lynn Rosetto Casper yeah. before, I, I mean, I looked her number up in a phone book and called her and she was so accommodating, said, here's where you should, you should go, right? And she here. sent me huh. to, you know, this restaurant that ended up being world famous, Osteria La Francescana, right? The yeah. Massimo yeah. Batura, right? So I got to work with this guy, like, you know. Back. Back in the day, I yeah. saw I saw the ground floor. It was huh. awesome. And if other people hadn't gone before me and hadn't been willing to help me, yeah, you know, whether it was my good friend Doug Flicker who kind of showed me the ropes, uh, or Lynn Rosetto Casper, or Jack Rebel, other contemporaries, Tim McKee, you know, all these people are inspirational to me, and I feel so lucky. And so for me to be able to pass that on to anybody, right? It's an open book. I, I'm call me up. I'll, I'll, if I can help, I will. I love it. Stephen Brown is the chef at Tilia, St. Genevieve, and at Julia in the Hotel Emory, Emory right in downtown Minneapolis. Were, were, you always right, were you always of the temperament to be able to be a, a good teacher? I mean, I think we all have heard about what, and you know well what, what restaurant kitchens used to be like. I think, well, I, think, I think there's a lot of tropes, right? And we all are, you know, kind of, you're told this is how you do it, and that's the kind. And we, we learn from examples. Right. 
Um, I don't know. Uh, Kieran Foyard told me when I worked for him at the local, you know, he said, I didn't suffer fools lightly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think there was a point in my life where, where probably I was less focused. Maybe I was a little more focused on me than others, but I, I think I, I worked with a guy there named Brian Malarkey, and, you know, he said, you know, these guys will crawl through broken glass for you. Like, yeah. let's, let's get them to work with us. And I think today creating teams, what, if that worked, you know, it worked for Bobby Knight, but, you know, Bobby Knight doesn't work anymore. Right. So I think that it's whole different. thing, it's, it's a whole different game today. Just the so, way you motivate, and you see it in your own. You see it in your kid. I see it in my kids. Like the way that I was motivated, isn't going to work. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, and that's okay. I don't know. Is it better? Is it worse? I don't know. It's just different. I, I, I don't know. I, I would like to say I think it's better. I think it's kinder and gentler. And I, I think most people, you know, cooperation is a lot different than compliance. Is mm. what I like to say. I like so that. if yeah. you're fearful, you'll do it because you don't want to get yelled at. But if you understand the why and you're motivated. You're going to learn, and then you're going to teach it to somebody else. Stephen Brown, what are your uh, – give me three restaurants that you – they don't have to be the three best restaurants in three. town, but three that you like going to that are not your restaurants. That are not my restaurants. Um, I was thinking about that uh, during the break, and, you know, I don't know. The restaurant that I think I've been to a few times that's really consistently kind of blown my mind is Petit Leon. Yeah. Like just a really solid, solid thing. Um, I also recently went to Rectangle Pizza. I know those people. They're really nice. They're and, so nice. I mean, and I mean, I got a great service story behind it, but like I went there, I had a great time. They were super kind. I saw people that I knew. I felt like I was in a neighborhood place and they're just running around like insane, you know, just named best pizza yeah. in America, you know. Like so, Good Morning America. They were yeah, on. yeah. So really, really, really yeah. great for them and great to see that next generation of people. Great right. to see that corner be activated. It's Lindale and Lake. Yep. Really cool. So really cool. So that's two. And then uh, third, I don't know, I've been kind of interested in uh, the, like really simple Korean food lately. I don't know mm. why my kid likes uh, anime and different Japanese right. food, but so there's uh, a place on the campus uh, kind of on the uh, stadium village thing. Have you been there called the uh, kimchi tofu house? No, I haven't been there. Oh yet. my gosh. You know, and they, they, they make this kimchi and tofu stew and they crack, it comes to the table boiling and they crack an egg into it and you can get proteins cool. with it or, oh, and cool. it comes with rice. And I don't even think, I think they just serve bottles of Kirkland water. Right. <laughs> it's soup. It's like $11 for the soup and it, and it's delicious. Oh, cool. Right? And it's a cool little tiny place. That's fun. Yeah. I love it. All right. Awesome. That's my next place I'm going to go to. It's a good tip. Stephen Brown, uh, go see him at Tilia and St. Genevieve and Julia in downtown Minneapolis. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming in, Steve. Awesome. I'm good to see you. Thank you. It was really great. DeRussia Eats continues. Here's your host, Jason DeRussia. Our guest is the head chef at one of the hottest hotels in the Twin Cities, certainly one of the coolest bar scenes. And I just ate there last week in the spring menu uh, that Chef Mark Collins has prepared is absolutely delicious. Chef, great to have you here today. Well, great. Thanks for having me. We had a great meal over at Tulabi, right in the Hewing Hotel. And you've been the chef there for how long? Uh, just over a year now. So you started in a great time to be right in <laughs> hospitality business in <laughs> yeah. a hotel. But you come from uh, uh, another hotel of the same company, right? Uh, yep. I actually started with the company and opened a property in Des Moines, uh, and that was October of 2020. So Originally, you're, you're a Midwesterner, right? Yep, yep. Spent the last 10 or so years in Chicago. And now from Chicago to Des Moines? Yep. How horrific was that? <laughs> I'm glad to be in Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> Des Moines has maybe more going to, for it than people know. 
Yeah. But, I mean, I think it's coming along, but it is, um, you know, it's still a work in progress. It's still getting getting good food in there and good restaurants. Uh, Hewing Hotel is right in the North Loop, right on Washington, uh, right on the edge of downtown Minneapolis. Your bar at Tulabi is one. We were talking about that before we went on. It's definitely one of the hot spots in town. Yeah. I feel after a certain point in the evening, I am too old and too poor. <laughs> I'm not quite cool enough. Do you feel cool enough? No. It, it's a beautiful crowd. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of beautiful people enjoying beautiful drinks. Um, you know, I tend to tend to focus on the restaurant and the food. Once the bar really gets rolling, it's uh, time to close up shop. <laughs> it's time for you to go home. <laughs> Chef Mark Collins from Tulabi Restaurant is our guest on De Russia Eats. And I, I was interested to talk to you because Tulabi as a restaurant uh, is a really interesting restaurant. It celebrates the food of the upper Midwest. When you're designing a menu... In thinking about, I mean, are you thinking more about visitors who are coming in? Are you thinking about locals? How do, how do you create food that makes people feel like they're they're really in Minneapolis? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big goal for us is to be to be of a certain place. You know what I mean? There, there's a reason that we're here and that we're doing this food. Um, when it comes to travelers and and locals alike, you know what I mean? I think great food kind of transcends that overall. Plus, we have a lot of outlets. You know, we're open for breakfast, lunch, brunch, dinner. Uh, we have a rooftop bar and a restaurant that's open as well. So there's a lot of different options to kind of provide for people. Mm. Um, and each has a different focus. You know, the travelers tend to hit the breakfast and lunch a little bit more. Uh, dinner time tends to be a little bit more of a local crowd. And that's where we get a little more fun and a little more nuanced. Originally, when Tulabi opened, there was a whole this focus on really using uh, as much of an animal as possible, mm-hmm. and I know that is something that that's an ethos and a type of cooking that you've you've always been interested yep. in. Right? Yeah, we're very big into nose to tail. Uh, so, do. what does that mean for people who have no idea? Sure. So, and I think, think I don't want to eat the tail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it depends on how it's made. <laughs> yes. No, I think uh, the the prime cuts of certain animals. If you think of beef as an example, you know, you have your steaks, the things that are very easily. Uh, cooked. They're very comfortable for people. What we try and do is really push ourselves to get creative with a lot of the other pieces of the animal and to really kind of pay it respect. And And it's a good challenge for us as chefs to kind of find ways to make it interesting and to make it tasty and to make it appealing um, that, you know, people are comfortable with yeah. and excited for. Mark Collins is our guest on Russia Eats, the chef at Tulabi in downtown Minneapolis. Uh, what originally got you interested in cooking? Oh, boy. Uh, it's been a while for that one. Um, I think I enjoyed well, you're it. You're not I that like... old. You're no, not no, that no, old. no, no, no. It's kitchen years, though. It, right. The age is different. <laughs> no, I think um, it's it's really about it, when you get to the core of it is hospitality. You know, at first it was I enjoyed food. I like seeing something go from one state to another and enjoy. You did know, you eating. have li- did you have like, you know, beautiful food when you were growing up or is it? No, I'm not going to put my family on blast like that. But no, it's uh <laughs> Well, I didn't either. My family thinks it's hilarious that I am a food critic because the food we had at home was like encore frozen entrees and (laughs) very like rustic home style. Yeah, my family cooked a lot and they were, you know, they were pretty good at it, but it was kind of just something I learned and picked up. And a lot Mm. of it has been, you know, kind of the advent of TV chefs and stuff like that. For me growing up, Emeril was a a huge deal, big inspiration. And then, you know, you get into Bourdain and those guys. Yeah. 
started learning about the industry, and the more I learned, and the more I did it, the more I got into it. Is there an? Is it the adrenaline or the excitement of the fact that like every night it's kind of go time? Yeah, I mean, I, I had office jobs before I got into this, and you know, I didn't want to spend my twenties behind a desk, and that's why I kind of started cooking more. What'd you do? What was your office job? Oh, I was a paralegal for the uh, oh. state attorney's office. So I was going to go into law and be a lawyer and do all that. But is it funny now looking at what you're doing to look back? Oh, it's great to have that as a background in, in restaurants. The paralegal background, <laughs> yeah. huge. Very helpful. Yeah, yeah. If someone wants to complain about your food, you go into like a legal. Oh, yeah. Always full... helps to know the law, you know what I mean? <laughs> Especially. But no, I, I got into it for that reason, and, and I really yeah. enjoyed it. But you're right, it is the adrenaline of it, you know. And, and also, the nice thing about Tulabi and Hewing is we are an open kitchen, and I really enjoy those because you get to interact yeah. with the guests. The guests get to see the cooks. We get to see the guests, and it really builds that relationship, you know. Your kitchen is all open. The room is beautiful. The Hewing Hotel is an absolute knockout of a building. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, thank you. When you go to work in a hotel that's like, beautifully designed and you have this open fire that you guys cook over Mm -hmm. does that like do you get like a different kind of swagger because the room looks great i mean i'm sure you've cooked in some dumps before. yeah i mean it it certainly doesn't hurt the food you know what i mean if it's served in a great surrounding i think you know when we light the fires every afternoon for dinner you smell it all throughout the hotel and that's it's kind of nice it kind of encourages you to to get involved in it so i think the atmosphere helps for sure Mark Collins is our guest, the executive chef at Tulabi Restaurant uh, inside the Hewing Hotel. I want you to talk a little bit about cooking over fire, because I've noticed over the last five years or so here in Minnesota, we've seen a lot more restaurants with open fire in the kitchen. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, as a cook, it's very engaging and it's very challenging. I think it's very satisfying as well. You know, it's not just turning something on and putting something on and moving it's it's active it's dynamic it's changing because the fire's moving yeah the temperature lessers you have different wood it's different humidity you add charcoal then and not so that kind of adds to it i think the the flavor from charcoal and fire is is unmistakable you know what i mean there's a reason that that imparts that there's a reason people like it do you think it's primal at all absolutely yeah yeah i mean it just starts you salivating like i said when you smell those fires you think boy you know i'm hungry right There is, I find it, it's very, uh, it is very intoxicating when you go into a restaurant, especially if you have an open kitchen where you could sit at the bar and you see that there's just, there is something to it. And I, I I don't know if it taps into that caveman days or whatever. (laughs) Um, yeah, Uh, I mean, I think there's an emotional thing that happened for sure. And I think it helps build that connection. You know what I mean? Like Mm. having an open kitchen, seeing a fire, it's much less clinical or sterile than. Some, like, traditional fine dining yeah. places can be. It's it's interactive, you know what I mean? You feel like you're a part of it. Does it change the way you interact with your coworkers? The fact that, you know, we can all hear what you're saying? or Nah, I think it helps keep us on point, you know what I mean? Like, it helps to know that people are always watching you, you know what I mean? Because there was, you know, you mentioned Bourdain, and certainly there's a reputation for, and, you know, I— I read a story in the New York Times today about a restaurateur from Boston mm-hmm. who employees were coming out and saying, like, what a monster, yeah. you know, allegedly this this uh, chef is. Sure. 
I'm sure you you don't you don't want that article about you in the New York Times. <laughs> yeah. yeah if not, anyone not wants to tell us the truth about Mark <laughs> Collins, our yeah. number is yeah, yeah. Go ahead and call in. No, right. I mean I think it's good. I mean I think that's accountability too, which is what we're talking about these days, right? Like that kind of old school culture of uh, berating and putting people down and that kind of thing is is yeah. gone away. Now kitchens are loud. They're uh, they're bright, you know. There's always things going on, so there's a lot of pressure and heat and sharp knives and things like that. So, you know, things are going to get heated at times. But I think being respectful and you know making it a professional place is is paramount now, much yeah. more than it used to be, for sure. Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah, for sure. For Mark Collins is our guest from Tulabi inside the Hewing Hotel in the North Loop of Minneapolis. Uh, drive time with Derusha continues. More Derusha eats brought to you by Liquor Boy in just a minute here on CCO. Derusha Eats, brought to you by Liquor Boy. Our guest today, the chef at the terrific hotel restaurant, Tulabi, inside the Hewing restaurant, Mark Collins. Mark, do you like when when you're called a hotel restaurant? There's sort of a little <laughs> bit of a, there's a little bit of baggage with that here in Minnesota anyway, and yeah. some bigger cities, a lot of the finest restaurants in those cities are in hotels. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a bit of a perception issue there. I think my goal and why I joined this company is to to build great restaurants. You know what I mean? That ours happens to be in a hotel is is great. Is there an advantage or disadvantage to being in a hotel? Uh, there's certainly a lot of advantages. Um, I think, you know, kind of built-in customers, people that are interested, a little bit more word of mouth. Um, some disadvantages sometimes are, you know, a public perception of a of a hotel restaurant, yeah. what that means. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, and I think sometimes when you're connected to a hotel, Minnesotans are really cheap when it comes to parking. We hate to pay to park. <laughs> and when you're at a hotel, like, you got to figure it out. You have to plan ahead sometimes or yeah. think that through. Yeah, well, or you just stay in the hotel, and then it gets a little bit easier. Well, that's true. Yeah, so. that's that's always a good option. Yeah, right? it's a built-in if For you've sure. had a great night. You have just uh, launched a spring menu. What what kind of flavors or what what's exciting you right now at this time of year? Oh, uh, for us right now, it's definitely ramps are always on the top of the list. Um, I think I don't know if that's a just a chef thing or whatever. Chefs love ramps. We just get how do so you? Excited. It's sort of how do you describe it? It's like an oniony, chivey kind of thing. Yep, it's in the onion family. Some people describe it as somewhere between onion and garlic. Um, okay. a little mm-hmm. more mild, I would say, uh, and a little bit a little bit of different flavor in it. But they're just they're fun, and I think really what it means is it's the first of spring. You know yeah. what I mean? Like asparagus just tastes different when it's coming up fresh. Yeah, for sure. Um, being a hotel restaurant, you were telling me that there's not as much room service or that sort of thing that we used to think of. Yeah. Ha- has the pandemic, I mean, you've worked at hotels all during the pandemic. Sure. How, uh, that, how much has that changed things? I mean, COVID's changed expectations, I think, dramatically. You know what I mean? I think for us, it's always been the focus of uh, making the rest of the hotel great that you don't necessarily just want to be in your room, whether yeah. that's you come to the restaurant yeah. or you go to the sauna. So it's a little natural for us to encourage people to just come down and eat in the restaurant. Um, but COVID's changed a lot of that. You know what I mean? The the wheeling the cart up to the door that has kind of gone the way uh, gone the way of the dodo for a lot right. of people, which is right. is not necessarily bad. You know what I mean? It's it's a great luxury. It's great to have in your room, but oftentimes the food is better if you go where for it's sure. being made. So. Yeah, room service has never really been my thing. It's more fun to be in the restaurant anyway. <laughs> not my right? thing, but it's certainly my wife's. So. She loves that? <laughs> oh, yeah. She's yeah. a room service girl. Now, when you work at a hotel, are there perks with that? Like, do you get to stay at other hotels or do you – 
You don't live in the hotel, do you? No, no, no. It's not as great to live in the hotel as it as you would as think. you would think. Yeah, it wears off after a while. I, but I guess. No, it is yeah. great. Like, and when we've had some weather and stuff like that, it's kind of nice to be oh, able to. You can just you stay, know, stay close, and right. And make it easier. You're you're relatively new to the Twin Cities, then, right? Yep, moved here for this job, so uh, February last year. What are your, as an outsider, kind of? What are some of your? What are your thoughts about the scene? Um, you don't have to be nice. You can <laughs> like you can give us the real deal. No, I like it. I mean, like the the restaurant scene is is a lot is a lot more developed. There's a lot of great places to eat. You know, coming from a place where you couldn't go anywhere on a Sunday or a Monday, it's mm. nice to have good options, you know? Yeah. Um, but we're really enjoying the cities. We live down in South Minneapolis, and it's great to just, you know, get out during the lakes and, and see around and tour, and it's it's been a lot of fun so far. So as someone who spent a lot, a lot of time in Chicago, mm-hmm. and I'm from Chicago originally, yeah. I think people from Minneapolis and St. Paul sometimes, like, compare ourselves to a city like Chicago. We're so much smaller. But what are, what are the things that you think, like if you were, if you were telling people to come to the Twin Cities and mm-hmm. eat, yeah. what, what would you tell them? What would you tell your Chicago friends? Um, well, I think there's a lot of great places to check out and there's a lot of great chefs doing interesting food. You know, I think the variety and maybe the neighborhood places are where you see a little bit more of that gap yeah. um, just because of the size, like you said. But um, there are a lot of chefs and they're doing a lot of interesting food. You know what I mean? There's not a, it's not a one-stop shop or anything like that. It's not all bar and grill. Like there's right. people doing, doing fun, interesting things and getting it in. So. I feel like percentage wise, we have as a similar percentage of great restaurants, good restaurants, bad restaurants. Yeah. It's just, there are, you know, there are fewer of course, cause we're yeah. smaller. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, think of the size. I mean, a place like Chicago. We maybe overperform, frankly, on the, of, uh, of very good, like in that area, yeah. because considering our size. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, you know, capital and people spending the money on it is a bigger part. The more people you have spending that kind of money, the more those kinds yeah. of like less sustainable places exist. Sure. I mean, but, yeah, that's just not the uh, not always been my goal. I think a, a good, sustainable restaurant is is a goal unto itself. All right. Give people uh, two things that they should order for sure when they come in and try the spring menu. I'm looking at your I'm looking at your menu right now. Yeah, absolutely. The spring lasagna is a uh, is a pretty big hit. It has a ramp pesto. Again, we love our ramps and then uh, some pickled asparagus and pea shoots. Our uh, grilled asparagus is also really popular. Um, and then our uh, probably our potato roasty is one of the top ones. You know, it's a uh, potato, super crispy on the outside, black garlic aioli and parmesan. And like you were saying earlier, how you develop dishes, it's kind of the the Midwestern take on a nicer a nicer crispy potato. Right? Who doesn't love that? That's that's a hundred percent true. Mark Collins is our guest. Tula B is the restaurant inside uh, the Hewing Hotel. Do you? Uh, do you have favorite restaurants where you like to visit, you and your wife, here in the Twin Cities? Uh, yeah. I mean, we have a couple ones that we always like. We're pretty close to Petit Leon. Jorge does great food there. Like we talked about uh, High High, any of the um, Young Joni, those kinds of places are all fantastic. Spoon right down the street from us, always, always great. So plenty of places to try. We tend to stay in the neighborhood. So. Sure. Yeah. What's your What's your goal? Like, as you look at from a culinary standpoint and a a business standpoint, like, what's your goal with Tulabi? With Tulabi is to make uh, kind of the best food with the products around here as possible. Um, Past that, it's building a great team and and giving them the room to grow. Is it hard to hire? Is it hard to find folks? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly gotten harder after the pandemic. It evened out a little bit the past year or so, and we've, we've got a really fantastic team on now. 
Um, I think, you know, like we were talking, the old school yeah. culture and changing how you how you are and the place that you work in is a big part of it. So I'm really happy that we do have a great team. And then the part of that is, you know, helping people grow and learn and develop and, and make new things and progress themselves. For sure. Mark, I really appreciate you. The restaurant is called Tulabi. Uh, Alyssa and I ate there uh, just uh, it was last week, this week, last, last week. week. It yeah. was last. <laughs> <laughs> and it's terrific. It's terrific. So check it out. Mark Collins, Tulabi inside the Hewing Hotel uh, here under Russia Eats. Thanks, Mark. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Great to see you. Thanks so much for listening to the DeRussia Eats podcast on WCCO Radio, 830 AM. We do conversations with chefs, with farmers, with small business people every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. The podcast is available every week. If you enjoyed what you heard, I would love for you to leave us a review. Give us however many stars you can. I don't know, 10, 20 stars would be nice, five stars, and leave your feedback as well. It really helps us grow and helps support covering the food community here at WCCO Radio and in the DeRussia Eats podcast. If you'd like to email me with an idea or a question about the restaurant scene, you can email jason at odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com, jason at odyssey dot com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the DeRussia Eats podcast. Thanks for listening to DeRussia Eats. Dan Cook is our producer. Jason DeRussia is your host. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. DeRussia Eats is a production of Odyssey.